Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our New Nature series, which talks about what the fruit of the Spirit should look like in the daily life of the believer. We hope that this message will be a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we're going to start there and uh, make our way through a, a number of passages and uh, when we come back to 1 Thessalonians, you will know that the uh, train has arrived. We're almost done, okay? So we're going to start here and kind of look at some different scriptures and so forth. When we're looking at the, uh, the uh, photos there the, from the pastor, uh, the pictures, uh, you noticed where he was standing there with those Israeli soldiers and uh, also Palestinian soldiers. That's your pastor. He got them together. The Palestinians and the Israelite soldiers got them together to take that picture. And uh, then, of course, uh, when Miss Hannah was showing us the eastern wall, or the eastern gate, you notice it's all bricked up. Uh, the uh, Muslims did that. When uh, they took over Jerusalem, they, they bricked up that eastern gate because they know the Bible says that Jesus is the Christ, the Christian Christ is going to come through that eastern gate. So they bricked it all up and said, well, he's not coming through now. But you know, the, the grave didn't hold him. I don't think those stones will stop him either. And then this morning today, when, uh, when pastor called this morning, he was actually at uh, Armageddon uh, in the Valley of Megiddo. And he, he took the camera and showed around uh, Megiddo, a uh, just a, a huge, a huge uh, valley that's just made for the battle. So uh, when they get back next Sunday, Pastor will be teaching that class. That class actually starts next Sunday morning. If you've never been in at starting point, uh, you need to be in that class. He'll be teaching that for four weeks. The rest of the adult classes will be all be in here in the auditorium. But uh, next Sunday night, I understand. Uh, Brother Robert, is that right? Next Sunday night, they'll be showing a lot of the slides of the trip and so forth. And so you'll want to be here for that. That'll be a very, very interesting as they go through that. Um, here in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 16, or chapter 16, yeah. If you're there, you got the wrong Bible, all right? <laughs> 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 16. If you're there, say Amen. amen. Let's read that verse together. All together, let's see if we can stay together on this verse. Ready? We go. Rejoice evermore. Wow, you did good. That was good. Now, uh, everybody look up here and see if you can say that without looking at it. Rejoice evermore. All right, you've already memorized a verse tonight. Uh, that's just a short verse, one of the shortest verses of the Bible, and yet there's a lot of truth in that verse. Rejoice evermore. Uh, but let's look on and see what else it says here. Verse 16, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing. Notice verse 18, in everything give thanks. In what? In everything give thanks. Sometimes that's hard to do, isn't it? You ever had something that's hard to give thanks for? We all have. Losing a loved one, it's hard to give thanks sometimes, you know. If they're saved, we can give thanks that we know where they are. Uh, sometimes you go through some troubled times, some heartache, some sorrow, some uh, difficult times, some valleys of life. Sometimes it's hard to give thanks. But the Bible says, hey, rejoice. Rejoice evermore. 
Pray without ceasing. Boy, we need to pray. And then it goes, in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. That just tells me that there's nothing in our life that we're going to go through, nothing we're going to face, no valley that we're going to uh, head into or come up out of. There's none, nothing in this life is going to take place that God does not already know about. He's already aware of it. And so we can give thanks. Why? Because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It's his will that we continue to give thanks and he knows what we're going through. Let's look at those verses one more time before we move on. Verse 16, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. I think there's a reason all those verses are right there together and others, of course, and we know that God is the author of this uh, divine book. We know that it is preserved for us today. It is pure. It is accurate. And he says here, quench not the spirit. Do you know if we're not rejoicing, we can quench the spirit? You know if we're not praying, we quench the spirit? Do you know if we're not giving thanks in everything, we can quench the spirit? What does it mean, quench the spirit? It means uh, the Holy Spirit wants to work. The Holy Spirit's like a fire, and he wants to work. But do you know what it is when you pour water on a fire? It quenches that fire. It puts it out. The Holy Spirit wants to work in your life and in my life and through our lives, into the lives of others. But we can quench that spirit. We can hinder the spirit by uh, not being rejoiceful. Going around with a, a grumpy face. Going around uh, uh, down in the dumps all the time living under the circumstances instead of on top of the circumstances, letting this old world get the best of us. God said, you don't have to do that. In fact, Jesus had put it this way. He said, be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. I've overcome the world. So we can live in the Lord Jesus Christ above the circumstances of this life. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that tonight. Pastor asked me uh, to uh, ask, actually, let me, let me tell you what happened. He asked me to preach on love last Sunday night because he had love and then joy. And then, of course, he'll be back next Sunday night. I said, really, I'd rather preach on joy because I got a good sermon on that. He said, all right, I'll call you back. And he called me back. He said, I want you to preach on love and joy. And Robert will take the other, the Thursday night services. So I got myself in trouble. And then I couldn't find, then I couldn't find my sermon on joy. I looked and looked and I can't find it. So I said, well, God, you know, you already knew it. So I'm going to rejoice and be thankful anyway, <laughs> not complain about it. and look at, at joy and try to put together what, what the pastor asked, and that is uh, relate a little bit about what we've been through, going through uh, seven and a half years of cancer and uh, uh, going through some of that. Most of you know that story, so I'll be real brief in that, but recognizing that even in times of hardship and going through uh, things that we don't want to go through, to be quite honest, going through uh, sickness and things like that that we still can rejoice and we still can have that joy and we can still give thanks because we know God is in control and he's in charge of it all. Uh, we're not going to take a, a long time to look at Philippians, but if we were to look at Philippians, we would find in Philippians, we would find joy is mentioned there, I think 17 times. He talks about joy in the book of Philippians. And yet Paul was writing there to uh, uh, that church at Philippi where he had been uh, put in jail you remember? And it started through that Philippian jailer getting saved. But he'd gone through some real hardships there in Philippi. 
And he writes back to them and he talks about the joy that he has and so forth. And over 50 times in the same book, four chapters, only four chapters, and we see joy mentioned a number of times. But over 50 times we see Jesus Christ mentioned. Because Jesus Christ, listen, get this, Jesus Christ is the source of joy. Jesus Christ is the source of joy. There's a difference, there's a vast difference between joy and happiness. People are looking all over for happiness. Comedians today are making, they're becoming millionaires because they get up and tell some jokes and they can be funny and they become millionaires and they have sitcoms and all of that because people are looking for happiness and they find happiness in just some comedic things that go on and there can be some happiness there. Uh, they have, uh, many of you go to restaurants and you see uh, on the menu or on the door, they'll have happy hour. And people can go in for that happy hour. And they go in and I guess they go in and they're happy for an hour. And when they come out, they're just as sad as they were. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> happy. People are looking for happiness. And so there's happiness, but, but there's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness depends on what's happening. And when the circumstances get bad, when hardships come in, happiness goes away. But we can still have joy. Because joy is different than happiness. Joy doesn't depend on the circumstances. Joy doesn't depend on what's going on out around us. Joy depends on what's going on inside our heart. I have a definition here. I'm going to skip down to it uh, a little farther down. But it says this. Definition of joy, one man put this. He said, I believe joy is a little flag that's raised in a person's heart where Jesus Christ is king on the throne. When Christ is the king of the throne of our heart, we can have joy even though we're going through times of sorrow and loss and hardship. And we'll look at that in a little bit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time to be together. We ask, Lord, that you would... uh, Help each one of us. We know that this life, Lord, uh, has joyous times in it, happy times in it, but it also has times of hardship and uh, things that go on that we don't even understand, things that we do not expect, Lord, unexpected things, and things that, uh, Lord, uh, in reality, we don't even like them, but they happen. And so, God, we're so very thankful that no matter what happens in this life, no matter what goes on, We know that if we will stay close to you, we can have joy that passes all understanding. Thank you for your promises. Thank you, Lord, for meeting with us uh, this morning. And again tonight, we ask for your will to be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Nehemiah, of course, uh, you know the story how Nehemiah uh, called for the people to come and rebuild the wall. The walls of Jerusalem had been torn down. And because the walls of Jerusalem had been torn down and some of the people had moved back into the area, but they began to build their own houses and they kind of got kind of a little setback. And so they weren't building, they were not rebuilding Jerusalem or the wall. And Nehemiah, of course, heard about it. And most of you know that story. He was a cupbearer for the king. And and he came in before the cupbearer and he was sad and he had never been sad before in front of the king. In fact, it, was, uh, it could be a sentence of death if you were in front of the king and of a sad countenance. But because of the relationship he had uh, with the king, the king didn't have him killed, but rather the king said, what's wrong? What's the matter? And Nehemiah began to talk to him and, and told him about his city, Jerusalem. 
city of his king that was torn down and the walls were torn down and it was destroyed and the walls had been burned and they needed to be built back up. And so the king gave uh, Nehemiah leave and gave him uh, some goods and some soldiers and so forth, said, why don't you go on back and, and help build that wall? He returned and began building the wall and you know the story, they had a lot of opposition in it and so forth, a lot of ups and downs and each time the enemy would come, he'd go to the Lord and ask the Lord's direction of what to do and take a stand against the enemy and finally in, in, in the time of building the wall there, does anybody remember how long it took them to build that wall, rebuild the walls of Jerusalem? You remember how long it took? 52 days. Are you looking to see that wall there? I mean they, they got to it. They got to it and they built a wall around the city. Of course, it's a lot smaller than it is now. But they built that wall around the city in 52 days and they completed the wall. They still needed to put up the gates and some other things. And when they completed that wall, the people were weeping and crying because it wasn't like it used to be. It wasn't as nice as it once was and so forth. And they were weeping and crying and so forth. And Nehemiah got them all together. And uh, this is what he said in uh, Nehemiah. And you don't have to turn there. I'll read it to you. Uh, he got them all together and he stilled the people. He got them all quieted down and the Levites helped him. And he said, hold your peace for the day is holy. Neither be aggrieved. He said, don't be so upset. And all the people went their way. Oh, excuse me. And, and he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. He said, this is what I want you to do. He said, I know it's not what you thought it might be. It's not as beautiful as it once was, but at least the wall is up, the wall is complete, and we need to celebrate that we've gotten this wall built. We need to not look at the negative part of it, but let's look at the positive side of it. And he says, you need to eat and drink and, and send portions to people who don't have anything. You help other people. And then he said this, for this day is holy unto the Lord, Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Now that little statement, that little phrase has been a great help to me and to many other Christians throughout uh, all these years. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Do you realize that it's really hard to serve the Lord if you don't have joy? It's hard to witness to somebody if you don't have joy. It's difficult to stand up and teach a Sunday school class if you don't have joy. To stand up here and, and sing a special would be a, a hard thing to do if you don't have joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is what attracts people to Jesus Christ. When we can show joy, when joy can shine through us, when we can go through some hardships and some hard times, and people look at us and they watch and they, they see that there's something about you that's different. And even though you're going through some difficult times, you're coming out on top and you've got an attitude that says, my king, my God is in charge and in control of all of this. And people see that. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And we need to remember that and we need to have that joy no matter what we're facing and what we're going through. Uh, John chapter 15, and again, uh, you can turn there if you'd like. You don't have to. Uh, we'll look at John 15 and 16 uh, just briefly <clears throat> and, and see what Jesus said about joy. But as you're turning there, uh, if you are turning there, uh, take a moment to just rehearse a little bit real briefly about my cancer situation. Back in 
2011, I went to the doctor because my ankle was swelled up. Uh, I couldn't hardly walk on it. Long story short, the doctor was looking at my ankle. They x-rayed it. They stuck a needle in there and were doing whatever they were doing. I told the doctor while they were doing that, I said uh, to the doctor, I said, uh, by the way, doc, while I'm laying here, I said, I feel like my liver is all swollen up over here. He said, well, Mr. Fountain, he said, that'd be strange because your liver's not on that side. <laughs> here, I'm a doctor, and I didn't know that. A doctor or something else. But anyway, so <laughs> he said, let me see. So he started feeling around. He said, you got something going on in there. He said, let's check that out. And so they wheeled me back into the x-ray room, took some x-rays, and brought me back. And he came back in. He said, yeah, you got something going on in there. He said, you've got a large growth in there, and we have no idea what it is. And uh, so that proceeded to a number of days in the hospital, going through all sorts of different tests and so forth. And after eight days in the hospital, a doctor came in and looked at the chart and uh, very briefly just looked up at my wife, myself, and my son-in-law, Chris, uh, who lives there in Missouri. This is all in Springfield, Missouri. And uh, she looked up and she said, uh, Mr. Fountain, she said, uh, you have Hodgkin's lymphoma. It is stage four, it's very far along, and you probably only have about two weeks to live. And so that was like uh, hitting me with a baseball bat. I mean, you know, and of course my mind immediately went to my family and so forth, and, and uh, it was a very traumatic time right then. And uh, throughout that day, you know, uh, contacting people and, and uh, sharing uh, and uh, just asking for prayer. And uh, later on that day, the cancer doctor came in and he said, uh, Dennis, he said, I know what they've told you and I know it doesn't look good and it is, they have the right diagnosis, they're right on target. He said, but if you're willing to go through some heavy doses of chemotherapy, if you're willing to give it a try, he said, I think I can give you four or five more years to live. I said, let's do it. And so we stepped out on faith, and Dr. Elliot, so Dr. Elliot, uh, Dr. Elliot uh, began the, the, the chemo treatments. We, of course, uh, we were just visiting back there in Missouri. So we went ahead and moved there, stayed there, rented a small apartment, and uh, stayed there and went through the chemo. I mean, there's, uh, it's the apartment and all of that, it's just a miracle how God worked in all of that. And I won't take time for that. But he began giving me those chemo treatments, and I was going in just daily for chemo and so forth, and uh, getting the chemo in my uh, veins. And, and uh, uh, long story short, the, the uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma went into remission. And so we were very thankful for that and said, wow, wow, this is great. And so now I've got a few more years to live. Of course, you never know if it's going to go away totally, if it's going to stay away. Or is it going to come back? And of course, our prayer is, hey, we're done with it. We're just going to uh, go live our life. And so we moved back out here, moved back out. That all happens, began in May, went through a number of months, and the uh, chemo and stuff was all done in uh, November. And uh, so we said, well, let's move back out to Washington. And so we uh, got our stuff together and moved back out here to Washington in, in December. We got out here in December, and in February, the cancer came back. So this is now February of 2012, and it came back, and my oncologist there in Tacoma, he was working with me, and, and uh, as it came back, it came back very strong and very hard. They said, they use the term, with a vengeance. And uh, he said, uh, Mr. Fountain, 
He said, uh, I've done everything I can do for you, and there's nothing else that we can do. He said, he said, the only hope that I would have for you is for you to go to the Seattle Cancer Care. He said, but to get in there, he said, it takes months. There's a long waiting list. And by the time you would get in there, you'd already be dead because you don't have that long to live. And so again, with uh, that bad news, <laughs> it's funny. Are you all sad? It's funny. <laughs> and so he gave us that bad news. And uh, so I said, well, doctor, I said, would you try? Would you go ahead and put my name on the list? He said, I will. He said, but I, you know, I don't give any hope on that. I said, okay, thank you. And of course, people praying again. And uh, believe me, I would not be here today without the prayer of God's people. This church and hundreds of other churches around the world, missionaries and so forth, uh, praying for me. And uh, I talked to a, a man uh, yesterday, this man, not, uh, not yesterday, day before yesterday, his first time to ever meet him. He said, you know, our church, and told me where he used to go to church, he's in the military. He said, our church back there, he said, we were praying for you. He said, I had no idea who you were, but he was at the men's retreat. And uh, he said, man, he said, what an answer to prayer. But that's what God does. He answers prayer so we can praise him and give him thanks for what he's done. And so people began to pray again. And within a week, Seattle Cancer Care called and said, hey, we got a spot, a spot for you. And I went up there and I sat down and they went over all my case. There were a total of 12 doctors. And this is all they deal with is blood cancers. And they all sat there and they went over all my papers and stuff. And then the primary doctor, who is a professor there at University of Washington, he came and sat and talked with me. And his name is Dr. Gopal. Many of you have been praying for his salvation. He's not saved. Uh, boy, I had a great time with him this last time, giving him the gospel. Uh, but he sat down with me and, and said, uh, here's what we can do, and uh, began prepping me. And I went through uh, what back then in 2012 was a pretty new procedure, and uh, it's a stem cell transplant, where they did the stem cells. And what they do is they give you loads of chemo to knock the cancer down when they feel like the cancer is totally out of your blood. Then they go through and they, they uh, uh, you're on a, like a centrifuge. They put your blood into a centrifuge and it spins it and they skim off all of those little stem cells. Now the stem cells are the cells that God has designed in our body that your bones produce. And those stem cells uh, are told by your body what is needed and that's what they become. They grow into whatever blood cell you need in this case. And so uh, they took off my stem cells, and then a few days later, uh, gave me a few days of rest, and then brought me back into the hospital. And they took those stem cells that they'd gotten off, and uh, they put those back in without any cancer or anything in them. And it was a stem cell uh, transplant using my own stem cells, not somebody else's. So that was a good thing, too. Didn't have to go through all the anti-allergy type things. And of course, that worked, and it got rid of the Hodgkin's lymphoma. Gone. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Gone. And that was 2012, so it's been six years ago now, as in uh, July of 2012. And so that's gone. But, <clears throat> as you know, last year, 2016, actually 2016, I started feeling kind of weird and kind of odd, and I went to the doctor, and they did blood tests, and then they couldn't find anything. And finally, it got so bad that I went to the emergency room in the middle of the night and uh, drove myself there. I, I do that once in a while without Judy knowing. She hates it. 
but uh, I don't want to wake her up, you know. So I went and uh, they did some tests. They said something's not right here. And long story, again, trying to make it as short as I can. Uh, I had, I've gotten uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Less than 1% of those who go through the stem cell transplant get non-Hodgkin's, uh, yeah, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So I was in that real small percentage and I got it. Uh, this is the same type of lymphoma that Paul Allen just died from a couple of weeks ago. And so uh, that's what I have. And so they begin working with that. And you know that uh, I went through, again, through the hard chemo treatments. And so uh, twice I've been through the very hard stuff where you lose. I lost 140 pounds, uh, which is a lot of weight to lose. I could afford it, though. And... Uh, I got down to uh, my high school weight, which uh, is pretty skinny, and then uh, uh, lost all my hair and all that, but it all came back, and God is blessed, and now I still have the cancer. This last time, they put me on trial drugs and chemotherapy, and in June 6th was my last chemo and my last trial drugs. They stopped it all because they said this. They said, all of our medications have done everything they can. And the cancer was knocked down 82%. So that means I only had like 18%, is that right? About 18% left of the cancer cells. They said, we're just going to give you the summer off and let your body rejuvenate, see if we can get your, your bone marrow reproducing uh, the blood cells it's supposed to. And that's the problem right now is I'm even going to go in tomorrow to check on that because it's just uh, uh, not doing real well. But they said... Uh, we're going to go ahead and give you the summer off, and at the end of the summer, you'll come in and do a scan, and we'll see what we need to do there. He said, the doctor said this, he said, I do have a couple of trial treatments that are brand new treatments in our back pocket that we can pull out and use if, if we need to. So I went in last month, had the scan, and the scan showed that the cancer is the same now as it was in June. So it hasn't progressed. So that's good news. And so they said, well, let's just stay on this do-nothing attitude until something happens. And so that's where we are. So it's been an up-and-down type of thing, and it's still, uh, you know, still dealing with cancer, still have some of the, <clears throat> some of the uh, problems that come with all of the chemo and all that type of thing. I had to learn to walk all over again. I couldn't even walk. And I still have problems with my balance a little bit, but every day I just see myself improving and the Lord has been so good. So you say, well, you've been through some hard times. Yeah, but everybody goes through hard times, don't they? I mean, everybody goes through some tough times and especially when you get older. I mean, look at some of these old, uh, look at some of, <laughs> look at how <laughs> as we get older, you know, these old bodies begin to wear out. We know they do. And uh, everybody goes through hard times. I mean, to me, I think it's a much, 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 much more difficult to have a little baby in the hospital with cancer. I mean, I'd rather go through it than see one of my grandkids in there. Can't think of that type. You know, it just, just breaks your heart to think of what some people are going through. The circumstances, the hardships, the trials. And God says in everything... Give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Now, I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts of why we can be joyous and why we can have joy. 
Uh, before we do, look at John chapter 15, if you have it. John chapter 15, verse 11. <clears throat> Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's getting ready to be crucified in just a, uh, a few hours from when he says this. And he's talking to them about how he's going to go away, but he's going to give them the Holy Spirit. And he says, uh, you're going to go through some really tough times, some disappointment. These things, verse 11, have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. He says, I want my joy to be in you. God is a source of joy. Jesus has joy, that unspeakable joy. He said, I want my joy to be in you and that your joy might be full. Over in the next chapter, chapter 16, he's still talking to them about what's going to take place. In verse 24, Hitherto, or since then, have, have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. Not only do you have me and my joy, says, but you have prayer access to me, where you can call on me, that your joy may be full. And sometimes we go through the difficulties we go through to bring us closer to the Lord, so we will talk with him, commune with him. Verse 32, Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come that ye shall be scattered. He's telling them what's going to happen. Every man to his own and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I'm sorry, I read the wrong verse. Did I? Oh, okay. I'm sorry. The, the uh, very next verse. These things, verse 33, have I written unto you that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, trials, heartaches, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. He says you can have joy in me, and you can have, uh, your joy can be full, and, and you can recognize that in me I have overcome the world and its tribulation. Hebrews chapter 12, if you'll turn there, and uh, I'll give you some something that I think is vitally important in this thing of joy. Hebrews chapter 12. You're familiar with Hebrews chapter 11. It's a great hall of faith. It deals with those who've gone before us, who have gone through difficulties, and they have uh, walked by faith, and they have uh, survived by faith, and they've been victorious by faith, and they built the ark by faith, and you go through that, all the different things that they did by faith. <clears throat> and we come to chapter 12, wherefore, verse 1, Seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, this was preached on by Brother Dave McCracken just while he was with us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now look at verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, that's where our focus needs to be. Not on the trial, not on the tribulation, not on the sickness, not on the loss, but we need to have our focus on the Lord. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is telling us that, hey, Jesus despised the shame. He didn't want to hang on that cross. He didn't want to have to go through that. But it was the only way that you and I could be saved. And so he endured the cross. He went through all of that because he was looking forward to the joy of the future, the joy of eternity, the joy that was set before him. 
You and I, that's what we have to do, is we have to get our focus and our eyes off of the nasty now and now, keep our eyes on the Lord, and look toward eternity, look toward uh, beyond this life and the things that we are facing in this life. That's what Jesus did. And so he had that joy. Joy is a gift of God. The angel came and spake to the shepherds, Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Talking about Jesus Christ coming into the world. Joy is a gift from God, and it comes to all who believe through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the, the, one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5, is love, joy, and peace. Joy is right there. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And so a joy is a gift of God through the Holy Spirit to all who believe the gospel and all who obey his word and follow it, even through trials, heartaches, tribulation, persecution, and loss, because we look through all of that to eternity and we have our hope set in him. There's a difference between that joy and that happiness. That joy is in our heart. In Psalm 30 and verse 5, the Bible says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. In 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter writes to the Christians who are going through some hardships. He says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, for now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness. For a little while you're going to go through heaviness, through manifold temptations, these appearing tribulation that's in your life, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice, ye, excuse me, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable, and full of glory. He says, you're going through some trial right now. You're going through some heaviness right now. You don't understand what you're facing right now, but you can know that you can look through all of that to Jesus Christ. And you can have joy unspeakable and full of glory. You can have that joy that you can't even explain to people because you've got your eyes set on the Lord Jesus Christ and your heart on Him. James, writing to those Christians who had been fleeing for persecution because of uh, uh, what's going on there in Jerusalem. And they've been spread out and all those uh, uh, Jewish Christians have been scattered abroad. In James uh, chapter 1, he says this, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation. When you fall into different testings and different trials, he said, count it joy. Count it all joy because, he said, it's like a hurdle that's set out there. And it's a blockade and it's something that has been thrown out there. But when you overcome it, you can have joy. Look beyond the hurdle. Look beyond the heartache. Look beyond the sorrow. Look beyond the tribulation. Look beyond the trouble. And you can have joy. And so we see this it's spelled out for us all the way through uh, the Bible. In Luke chapter 15. We see that there's joy in salvation. So there's joy in suffering. There's joy in sorrow. But there's joy in salvation. The Bible says in heaven there's joy in the presence of the angels when one soul comes to Christ. Luke chapter 15 verse 7 and verse 10 tells us there's that joy in heaven. And then in uh, uh, 3 John verse 4, I'll read that to you. 3 John 4 and then we'll be back over into... 
1 Thessalonians, we're almost done. And all God's people said? Amen. Oh, really? Okay. The third, <laughs> My bad. <laughs> third John 4, the Bible says this, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. John said, boy, I love to hear about my children, my spiritual children walking in truth. I'm glad to know that you, that I've had a part in your life, that you're walking in truth, and it gives me great joy. In 1 Thessalonians, if you're back there now, you can say amen now. All right. Verse uh, 19 and 20, chapter 2, verse 19 of 1 Thessalonians. Paul says, for what is our hope? He's writing to these, these Christians in Thessalonica who have turned to God from all their idol worship. And he's writing to them, these Thessalonican Christians, and he says, what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? He says, what is it that really gives me joy down in my soul? What is it that really makes a difference in my soul? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. The apostle says, you know what really gives me joy? He says, it's to know that I've had a part in your life, that you've been saved. John said, now it's knowing that you who I've had a part in your life, now you are walking with the Lord. He says, that's where my joy is. Now let me wrap it up with this, with these thoughts concerning that joy. That joy that we can have. You see, it's a joy. It is a joy to introduce a soul to Jesus Christ. What a joy it is to kneel beside somebody and have them pray the sinner's prayer. It's a joy to introduce somebody to Jesus Christ. Going through this trial of cancer, I've been able to lead some people to Christ. I've been able to have a part, to be a tool in God's hand, that God would use me and give me cancer. And I can even rejoice in the cancer and be thankful for the cancer because there's going to be somebody in heaven because of going through this suffering here on earth. There's joy in introducing somebody to Jesus Christ. There's joy in being involved in something that pleases God. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. If this is God's will for my life and I can go through it with joy and I can face it with, a, with, with a, a sense of knowing that, hey, this is what God is going to do through my life for somebody else. Oh, of course, yeah, it's for me too. God allows me to be sick uh, and to have this cancer to pick up my prayer life. You think it didn't pick up my prayer life? You bet it did. And now I, I used to study and I used to have to teach uh, uh, lessons every week and preach three times a week as a pastor and then preaching out. And I did a lot of studying in my office, always preparing and reading and studying and going through the Bible uh, for that. But now I don't have to do any of that. So when I read my Bible now, you know I'm reading my Bible for the most part for me, just to stay close to the Lord. So every day when I get up in the morning and I... I read my Bible and I have my coffee and I'm reading through the Word of God. God's speaking to my heart. It's not just doing it for someone else. It's doing it for me. And God is using that. And so there's a, a real joy and a peace in knowing that I'm involved now and, and I'm uh, helping, uh, uh, doing something that pleases God. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning me. It is a joy to introduce somebody to Jesus. It's a joy to be involved in something that pleases God. It's a joy having an influence on the lives of others. God has allowed me, because of my cancer, 
God has opened some doors for me to speak and preach and talk to people that normally I wouldn't have gotten, uh, wouldn't have been able to, wouldn't have had that invitation. God has opened the door for that, and I've been able to have an influence in the life of others. I've been able to pray with people at the uh, uh, at the cancer center and in the doctor's office, and even with nurses in the hospital. Been able to pray with them, not about salvation, but about different things. Some of them already saved, but we've been able to pray about some things. And and uh, here I am laying in the hospital bed, praying with them about something that's on their heart. And God has allowed that to happen. I've been able to have an influence in their life. I've been able to uh, influence some people over in that area to go to some of the churches over there and to try out some of the Baptist churches over there, been able to influence their life. It's a joy to have God use me to be an influence for his work. It's a joy. It's a joy to interrupt the program of the devil. It's a joy to know that we can just uh, give the old devil a black eye sometimes. And things that, uh, as, as Joseph said to his brothers, he said, what, what, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Remember Joseph? He got thrown in that well, and he went through all the difficulties he went through. And Joseph is one of the, one of the, the three people in the Bible that you never see anything bad about. And uh, God raised him up and God used him to save the whole Israel nation, all of his family and stuff, and, and all of those brothers and his dad, give them uh, that, that life on this earth. Why? Because he said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And God means these things for good. When these hardships come into our life, we need to rejoice in them. We need to give thanks in all things and everything give thanks because this is the will of God. For Christ Jesus concerning you. So it's a joy to introduce people to Christ. It's a joy to interrupt the devil's plans. It's a joy to be involved in, in what pleases God and to influence the lives of others. It's a joy to be an instrument in God's hands. To be an instrument in God's hands. How many of you here have had surgery? And you've been laying there on that table as a wheel you into that on that gurney. Why do their wheels all wobble? I don't know, but they wheel you in there and you're watching the lights go by and they get you in there. And uh, you look over at that table and you see those instruments laying out there. There's scalpels and pliers and, I don't know, screwdrivers, whatever they're going to use on you over laying over there, drills and stuff. And you look over and see, what if you looked over there and you saw somebody else's blood and skin already on those instruments? You say, man, hey, wait a minute. Don't you have some clean ones? I want to be operated on some clean instruments, you know. Listen, we are tools in God's hand, and God wants to use clean instruments to work on other people's hearts. So we need to keep our lives clean so God will use us. It's a joy to be used by God as an instrument in his hand to do the work that he wants to do in other people's lives and hearts. It's a joy. It's a joy, even though going through the hardships and going through the cancer and going through the chemo and going through the sicknesses and going through uh, terrible times that I don't even talk about, going through that, it can still be a joy because we're looking beyond the hardship. We're looking at people's souls. We're looking at the Lord Jesus Christ and his will and looking at eternity. It's a joy to be able to invest in people's salvation. Invest in students. Invest in other servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. God has allowed me, because of my cancer situation, to be an encouragement to other pastors and wives 
and missionaries and Christian workers who are going through similar things. Going through the hardship of it and for God to use me to be, an invest, to be able to invest in their lives and help them to have the right kind of an attitude, an attitude of joy. Where does that joy come from? From the Holy Spirit of God. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit and it's a gift from God that's given to those who walk in the Spirit, stay close to the Lord, let God be the King of our life and realize that, hey, this isn't a punishment. This is something that God is allowing me to go through in order to reach others. This is something that God's allowing me to go through. It's a fiery trial in order to purify me and draw me closer to Him. And it should be a joy to see that this infirmity can help me to be a better Christian and a better preacher and a better father and a better husband and a better man of God and to be a better instrument in God's hands. And so count it all joy when you go through these things. God can give us joy in the midst of sorrow, heartache, the midst of uh, health problems, whatever we're going through, God can give us joy if we'll keep our eyes on Him and look above the circumstances and not at the circumstances. Everybody has circumstances, but we have a King that can give us joy and victory in spite of all of that. Let's bow for prayer. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And I know some of you here could give uh, testimonies to the fact of how God's worked in your life in the same areas of giving joy. But I want you to know back to that very uh, early verse we used where uh, the builder of the wall said this, the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's what keeps you going. That's, what's make, that's what makes you usable by the Lord, that you can have joy even through tribulation and trial. And that joy is because you stay close to the Lord and you have an interest in what God has an interest in, souls of people and the work of God. And you can have that joy that passes all understanding, a peace that passes all understanding. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Let's stand for prayer. Let's stand and we're going to have a word of prayer. And if you need to come and just talk to the Lord about whatever's on your heart, just slip on out right now as we pray and come. And we'll have time at this altar. And maybe you just need to, to kneel right where you are, talk to God about whatever it is you're going through and how God can give you that joy in the midst of whatever it is you're facing. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Father, we just thank you again for the privilege of preaching your word. I thank you, Lord, that even though... Uh, we go through trials and heartaches, and we don't like it in the physical sense. We don't like it in a human sense. But, Lord, because you've given, uh, you've implanted your Holy Spirit within us, we can understand that uh, it's worth it all. And it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being used by you. And we ask that you'd continue to use us for your honor and your glory. Give victory now in our hearts, Lord. I pray that we would each experience joy and we would each uh, draw close to you so that, that joy might be full as we look at your word. And we'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.